A completely different topic now, Mongolia Nomad Empire of the Eternal Blue Sky, written by Carl Robinson, who chatted with me when the book had just come out for sometime in 2009. Uh, Carl's a scholar and, of course, author, and he's here. Hello. Good to see you again. Thank you. I kept the chair warm for you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) The thing about this is you're going to be here doing some stuff for the Royal Geographical Society uh, tonight and tomorrow with some some musicians. I'm so fascinated about the art side of that country. Apart from your writings, is that something that tweaks you, the music? And well, I mean, it, it, it's the soundtrack that takes you around <sighs> around around Mongolia when you if you leave your iPod behind, as you should, yeah. and, le- and let your driver and the guide put the music on. You're you're very quickly absorbed by by the melodies and and the sounds, and especially the male singers. Yeah, really have powerful voices. And I'm not talking about the throat singing, which is which is more of a speciality, but the sound of the horse fiddle. Uh, uh, the horse fiddle. It's and beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful sound. And this group tonight is from the National Orchestra of, of Mongolia. I haven't, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting them yet, but I'm looking very much forward to their, 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 their introducing the program tonight. Do you know much about what the kind of music's based on? I'm interested because certain people from certain far-flung countries, it's almost like they develop their own technique. Okay, you weren't talking about the throat stuff, but that's so unique to to, to Mongolia. I just wonder where it sort of comes from. What's the folklore? I think they're probably looking. They, they probably didn't have enough musical instruments, so they decided to. Uh, and they to, do, to, much, to yeah. do a bit of <laughs> to do a bit of ventriloquism. Actually, hear and see them doing it. It's like a ventriloquist. It's awesome. You know, watching their, you know, the lips are barely moving. It's like you expect the guy to have a puppet or something. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it, it's it's there. Uh, it, it's 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 a it's very unique uh, sound. Uh, that they've created, and especially with these uh, the string instruments as well. Yeah, the horse hair, absolutely fantastic. Well, Carl's book, Mongolian Nomad Empire of the Eternal Blue Sky, it's one of the Odyssey guides, very much a sort of, um, well, how do we describe this? I wouldn't call it a travel guide by any means. Oh, it's more, what, almost a mini encyclopedia. Truly. It's what, it's what, you don't even have to go to Mongolia, you know, it's, it's, it's a, like a, a, a like an information, mm. or what's, you know, like a, Anyway, it's a lot more than a guide. It, it yeah. gets you interested and brings you in like 50, 50 pages just on the history of Mongolia. And, and the history is a lot more than just Genghis Khan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes way back to, uh, you know, to to uh, to the Bronze, their own Bronze Age. And in fact, 750,000 years ago, there's evidence of, of men uh, living in Mongolia. Mm. I like Magnus's, uh, Magnus Bartlett's Odyssey books because he always seems to focus on places that nobody else would touch with a barge pole. <laughs> Afghanistan, come and holiday here. And Kazakhstan. And Kazakhstan, <laughs> absolutely. And Bhutan, we're going to be talking about that next week. In general, what do we know about this country these days? Is there a lot that the world just doesn't get? I think, I think the, 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 the world needs, the world it's forgotten that there are places like Mongolia, frankly, and the world these days needs a place like Mongolia where you can go and bang all your modern phones and everything else don't work anymore, and it's just you and nature, mm-hmm. and it's just wide open space, and it just it's like being in a it's like being in, almost in a meditation with your eyes wide open, the mm-hmm. whole experience. Well, let's go back to 2009, three years. What kind of stuff has piqued your attention change-wise? Well, the I saw it coming when I was there, uh, but they finally passed a, a law uh, to, to, to give the go-ahead to, in, to foreign investment in mining right. projects. And Mongolia is an incredibly rich country in coal, uh, iron ore, uh, copper, gold, uranium. 
and 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 other other minerals from from when it was a Soviet Soviet days. But they finally, the, after long delays, the Parliament finally gave the go ahead to especially this Oyu Tolgoi, which is going to be the world's largest copper gold mine. And these are all down there in southern Mongolia, right next to China, right? Funny that. And I live in Australia, and this is a lot shorter for them to ship stuff. Yeah. So just in the past two years, the the the, the mining boom has taken off, and they have 17 percent economic growth last year and they're expecting 20 this year and with the economy doubling in size uh, or that every three or four years so it's you can imagine all the I mean they have inflation of 17 percent uh, and all the the all the the, the the problems that you'd expect too an exchange rate that doesn't move so this is the first time I've heard people actually talking about the Dutch disease you know which happened where all this money is going into resources and the and the the secondary economy is basically going flat uh, like uh, tourism, tourism is still drawing in 400,000 visitors a year, which is which is quite modest. But all the tour guides have been hired away by the mining companies <laughs> at horrendous salaries. So it's all the more reason to have a good book when you go there now. What do people tend to look for when they go to Mongolia? Because I'm just saying, scratching the surface, tourism-wise, there's a lot of people who go there for 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 adventurous things like. Uh, like horse treks, horse, right. horse treks is very popular. Fishing is is another one. Uh, motorcycle motorcycle trips are are uh, motorcycle expeditions. All cross country stuff. Yeah, yeah, all cross country stuff because there are no fences. It's like Australia, but with no fences. So it's just wide open country, and uh, I think that's why people go there. I mean, it, it's it's a ready market for that sort of thing. But because it's such an unusual country with such a diversity. Uh, there's there's a lot just for ordinary sort of people to to absorb in the country. It still excites you every time you go. You'll see different stuff. Exactly. Yeah. You know, every time a country starts boasting of a thriving economy, there will be a percentage of people saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't trash our country." Is that happening there? Well, the biggest the the the, 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 the Mongolians are very proud sort of people and and very leery of the whole foreign investment thing and especially especially of China I mean they've been traditional enemies I mean that's why they built the Great Wall and uh, there's a lot of mistrust about the Chinese in fact the uh, just after I was there in April uh, they passed a new law that's going to crack down even more on the level of foreign investment in mining projects so mm -hmm. no there's a lot of very mixed feelings uh, among people and when I go there I, I uh, living in Australia as I do say look if you got something that somebody needs, just make sure you get a good price for it. That's the important thing. You know, so, but but it, it's a very entrenched that that uh, unfortunately that uh, that anti-Chinese sentiment and and because the Chinese are the ones with the money and and are neighbors and who want all this, yeah. all their goods and it's 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 a very they're very conflicted at the moment. We did, on paper, get a taste of Mongol certainly Mongolian history in 2007 with Sergei Bodrov's movie Mongol, and you reckon that that's not gone down well. No, that, no, that's another thing. Mongolians are very proud of their history, and it's just too bad that a Mongolian didn't make that. And that's that's the first thing, you know, that uh, it was made by Russians. It looks beautiful. Russian <laughs> and, and shot in, in Kazakhstan. I mean, I could tell for the first time I saw I saw a, a gear or a yurt that said that's not that that wasn't filmed in in Mongolia. That was Kazakhstan. So uh, it tells the tells the Genghis Khan story, which is fairly well known, but. Uh, the, 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 the Mongolians are very resentful that somebody else did it. They, they should have done it. I know. <laughs> they should have, but it's, 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 Mongolians are very strong individualists. It's very hard to get them together to do to do things. And I mean, mm. they're, they're, their politics are in constant turmoil. 
that they're having they're having an election on the 28th of this month, which is which could see Mongolia back in the world headlines. Frankly, I mean, the last one when I was there at the end of my my two month of travels around Mongolia, yeah. uh, uh, the state of emergency after riots broke out and six people were killed, and that's peaceful Mongolia, right? And now it's not getting any headlines yet, but it could. It could be one of those stories yeah. that suddenly pops up here in another couple of weeks. All of this stuff does point to one thing, that they have what's quite possibly the best vodka on the planet. Yes, they do, and I don't know why they can't export the stuff, frankly. I mean, it's, uh, it, it is really nice stuff. And I think you, uh, I think you remember the China Club. Yes, <laughs> yes, that was the, 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 the official launch of the book, I like to think, was at the Royal Geographical Society. But then we had another function had with, with musicians. Where they brought plenty of Mongolian vodka. Yeah, I think, but there's some. I think it says some export restriction on it. I mean, it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't meet the never the, seen the, it in the, Hong Kong. the European Economic Community's r r rules and regulations or something. Buffalo grass. I would like something. to encourage that. Yes, yeah. but uh, what a shame. Anyway, we've got you're going to be doing a talk tonight and tomorrow at the Royal Geographical Society at the uh, Mingwa College, which is in Glenelg. What kind of stuff, bearing in mind the topic of change, are you likely to get into with these? What would you like to get into? Oh, I'm not really going to focus too much on the changes, but it's basically going to be telling people about Mongolia. It's going to be basically my book, but in in a, in a PowerPoint presentation, which I've updated and revised, and and we'll talk to for mm. I hope just a half an hour, and then uh, and then have uh, have a question to, a Q and A after that. But it's uh it's, it's still telling outside of UB, which really has I mean it's like a skyscraper city now with uh, building cranes all over the place. Uh, the country is still the same out there, mm. uh, so so that, that that's change. a comforting thing. And if you want to go to Mongolia, really, the best thing that if, if I was going to do it, if I was going to run tours into Mongolia, I'd drive people up to the Chinese Mongolian border and kick them across. <laughs> and the last stop is UB, Ulaanbaatar, the capital, because. You go from Hong Kong into Ulaanbaatar. Oh, this is this isn't Hong Kong. Of course, you know they're going to start judging it like that. Yeah. But if you put them on the road for two weeks and then pull into UB, this you know, oh, this is a nice town. <laughs> yeah, it's like banging your head against the brick wall. It's nice when you stop. I remember last time these guys were here, there was a bunch of quite senior politicians from Mongolia doing the rounds in Hong Kong. I wonder, um, you know, no English, of course, and but lovely guys. Did you get much feedback from them? What they thought about this joint? At the time. Uh, not, no, not 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 really. But you could, it, it, it would have been similar. You know, it's like the the opposite side of the coin, literally. You know, yeah. this is all these, uh, you know, hanging out among the sedentaries, as we are known, as yeah. city dwellers. You know, <laughs> but it was, uh, you know, the Mongolians are starting to travel a fair bit, and uh, but it, but it's they still. I think it just reinforced how special they are. Yeah. You know, to come out of a place like that. Mongolian Nomad Empire of Eternal Blue Sky by Carl Robinson. It's one of the Odyssey guys. What else is on your agenda at the moment? You're here for a few days. What Anything coming up soon? Well, Magnus uh, Bartlett and I uh, spent about three weeks in Mongolia back in April, and we're looking at several projects uh, involving Mongolia, including a, 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 a map and, uh, at a minimum, an e-book an e-book version, a revised edition, mm -hmm. and also perhaps a, a large coffee table book of the history of Mongolia, oh, and artifacts and so on. So Magnus is always full of ideas and uh, we'll come up with something. All right, then. Well, but enjoy it's your... always great to get back every yeah, chance. No enjoy your time in Hong Kong. Carl Thank Robinson you. there talking tonight at the Royal Geographical Society Hong Kong. Do Google them. Thanks very much, Carl.